All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the NC Fit Collective Podcast. I'm Jason Kleep, and today we have with us Mr. MDV, Matt DeLaval. He's, uh, he's with us at NC Fit. He's in charge of um, all of our coaching and operations, and he's been with us for um, six months now, really diving into all of our different locations we have globally and making a huge impact. Today, we have a very cool topic to bring up, and this is one that MDV and I are, are very passionate about. We've seen it be successful and we've seen it not be successful. We've seen it actually ruin gyms. And this one in particular is how do you deal with competitors in your gym? And uh, MDV, this is going to be a good good topic today, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm really fired up to talk about it because I think like you said, there is extreme value that these people can bring to your, your gym, your community. But there's also a really, really dark side to what can go on with competitors in your gym. They can be a cancer for your entire community. Um, I've seen it done right ways, I've seen it done wrong ways, and everywhere in between. So that's what we're gonna talk about. Guys, today, we're gonna go a little bit longer. Today's gonna be a 30-minute AMRAP. Subject matter is gonna be on competitors in your gym. Might flow to some programming discussion. I'm sure that's where it's gonna go. But we're gonna explain how we do it, and we'll go from there. Here we go, AMRAP 30 minutes. In three, two, one, and let's go. All right, MBB. So kick us off, man. Um, you know, for, for, from my experience, when I've traveled around, I've visited a lot of gyms, I've talked to a lot of gym owners, in general, more times than not, what we find is that the competitors do not make up the majority. So let's start there. Let's start there understanding that competitors are generally the vocal minority. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that statement. Um, you know, I think of all the gyms that we've seen, of everybody we come in contact with, most gyms are dealing with everyday people coming through their doors for classes. You know, there might be some people in the gym that have a competitive background, competitive aspirations, they want to do more, whatever. But for the most part, you're looking at everyday people, right? There are some gyms out there who are, you know, comprised of mostly competitors and they angle themselves that way. We all know who those guys are. They do a great job with it. But for the most part, yeah, you're talking about just everyday people. Yeah, I'd say most of the time, in most gyms in the country, especially those who are financially, you know, successful, they're tailoring towards the 99% because at the end of the day, we need to recognize that a competitor really represents a small percentage of the gym. Let's just, let's talk about our gyms that we're not talking about hypotheticals. Let's talk about actual actuality, right? So in our gym, let's just talk about the Bay Area alone. We're not going to talk about internationally or, or, or even in Mexico, you know, which is obviously internationally. But in the Bay Area, we have, I don't know, let's just call it let's call it 2,000, 1,500 members, let's just say, right? And how many of them do you think participated? How many of them made it to regionals? So let's start there. Let's start there. Yeah, well, two. Two, (laughs) okay. And how many of them do you think participated in the Open and had aspirations or had goals of going to regionals? So they didn't participate in the Open as like a fun community thing. They participated and they took it pretty seriously. I mean, how many people do you think we're talking about in our community? Um, I would be surprised if it was 10%, but probably less than 10% of that, that group. Yeah. So maybe 5%, right? Let's just say. And so if you think about our member base in the barrier, let's just call it 2000. We're talking about, you know, 5%. Um, and so that leaves us with 95% who are inspired because they want to be able to get up off the toilet. They want to be able to lose weight. They want to be able to look better naked, whatever, whatever their goals and, and, and dreams are, they don't necessarily align with going to the CrossFit games, Right. So I think it's important to note that in our gyms is that the competitors are a minority and therefore they need to be treated 
um, not necessarily, they need to be treated as such, meaning we want to tailor our programs, we want to tailor our gym towards the masses so we could, you know, obviously have a successful business, but we also want to make sure that we don't fall into this very scary, di- you know, niche where we start tailoring towards a one or 5% and therefore um, excluding a large, vast majority of our member base. Yeah. So how do we do it? How do we incorporate, how do we, how do we hit two birds once? So how do we, how do we make sure we're, we're focused on our 99%, but at the same time supporting those who have dreams of going to the CrossFit games or going to regionals? Because as you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I've been there and I, I, you have, yeah, once or twice. And I want to, I want to make sure that we're supporting those people who want to get there, yeah. but at the same time, not isolating the 95%, 99%. Yeah. So, um, if, if we back up a little bit, I think the thing that we need to think about when we're talking about competitors, is like you have this awesome, these, these, these people have awesome passion, right? Mm-hmm. That's undeniable. They are, they love what they do. They dedicate large amounts of time, resources, energy to doing it. And I think in that passion, you start to see things come up, right? And whether that's, you know, good things or bad things. And when we're talking about people who are typically competitive, um, they're, they're at one end of the spectrum. They're an extreme, right? They're, uh, they're, they're in the gym a whole lot. They're taking up more space, more equipment, more of your time and your energy typically than some other people, right? And I think the danger lies in, in the extreme, right? Yeah. Um, and on the other end of the spectrum, if, if you're doing it in a way that we can go into this later, but like quote unquote is a, a better approach, there's a way to harness that passion. There's a way to make those people contributors to the gym, to the community, to the culture. The danger, the real danger is when they start sucking energy out when they start walking in like they're the people that own the place, that they're the only people that matter, that everything that's going on revolves around them, that's where I've seen this go wrong, and that's where you have 95% of your gym then look at you and go, hey, what the F? What are we doing? What are we doing here? Like, who matters in this equation? Obviously, everybody who walks through your doors in your gyms matter. The problem that I've seen with people who are competitors is the fact that it's so extreme and that they can get into that mindset that they're the only thing that matters. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what matters. So, you know, do you think having a team, I think, you know, we've had a team that's gone to the games several years. We've, we've had obviously people at our gym who have competed at the CrossFit games, of course. And from a business perspective, is it good? I mean, it's definitely, it's not bad, but it could be, you know, it, it could be good if you can get your community rallied around it, right? Yeah. And well, the right? other thing is like, let's think back like four years ago, five years ago, when NC Fit had a more competitive um, culture, right? There were, there were more people here who were, you know, doing competitive things. And I don't think all of it was bad, right? No. Yeah, it did a lot for the business. It did a lot for, you know, the community. People yep. got rallied and fired up about it. Um, and I think that you, we handled it in a way that, you know, there, there was obviously some good and some bad, but like we more often than not handled it in a way that was positive. Yeah. I think, I think it starts from the owner setting the expectation that everybody's equal just because you're a competitor doesn't mean anything. You know, for, for me, you know, I've had rich Froning, we've had, you name it, they've all been in our gym. 
If they want to come and work out, that's perfectly fine. But they need to understand that class takes priority, that if they want to work out and they're in the corner, they're not disrupting, that's fine. All good. But if you want to disrupt a class, that's a problem for us, right? Huge problem. If you're not going to clean up your weights, that's a big problem for me. And from the beginning, we set the expectation that, hey, we're going to support competitors and I want you on your journey, but don't think that you're better, worse, or, or indifferent compared to anybody else. You're just, you're another piece of our community and we want to support you, but don't make us feel like, don't make others feel like you're superior to anybody else because you're perhaps have a better friend time, right? Yeah. And I think that's important to to create this culture where we're supporting the competitors, but they also understand that they're not running the gym, yeah. right? That's the critical element, the elitism that comes along with, with some people who start to pursue that, that road, right? That competitive road. There's some serious danger there when people walk in and think they own the place, when they are looking at the class and they're saying, what I'm doing is better. What I'm doing is more effective. I'm following X programming now. My coach wants me to do X. And that is a problem because whether or not you think your other members are paying attention, they are. They are. And they're looking at what that person is doing. And then they're looking at you and they're wondering, what are you going to do? And how do you handle that situation? Well, let's, well, let's get into that. I think, I think right now is a good time to explain what do we do? Right. And then we could talk about the pitfalls we've seen in the past. For sure. So as you know, when we first started out, obviously, you know, we put out our programming, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now over time, and as of recently, we put out competitor programming. And this is the first time we've ever done that. Now we've done stuff with the NC fit, you know, NC lab. We've had fun with Miranda, you know, we've done a bunch of different stuff, but the only thing that we've ever actually gotten behind for our gym, it's, it's currently on our app, yes. right? Is the NC fit competitor programming. Yeah. NC compete. NC compete. Let's talk about what is our, what is our way of doing it? And and why do you think it's worked well for us? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, I, I've experienced with a lot of different teams, a lot of different athletes. I've seen, like I said, you know, a lot of things work and a lot of things not work. And the one thing, the one common thing that I saw from all the different gyms or all the different communities that made this competitor thing work was that competitors were still not only asked to or not only suggested to, but they were not forced either, but they were in they class. They wanted to. They yeah, wanted they to. were in yeah. class. Like they took class start to finish. That was part of their, their programming regimen. It was you take class. It was very clear. There's no two ways about it. And when we were deciding on how to approach NC Compete, because we do have some people in, the or, in, in our community that want to pursue competitive aspirations, that's fine. The first thing that we did was we said that, hey, our NC60 offering, you know, that goes to, out to everybody who's a community member, that they all have the opportunity to take. You, if you want to follow NC Compete, that's the core of your programming, and you take class. You, you complete that workout start to finish in class. And there's a lot of benefits that come along with that besides just having, you know, what I think is a really amazing general physical preparedness program. The benefits of taking class are huge. You're going to be lining up next to, you know, potentially people who are just as good or maybe better than you. You're going to be lining up next to people maybe who aren't as good as you. You're going to get coached. You're going to warm up. You're going to practice your skills. You're going to be put against a clock. You're going to be working out with people around you. There's a lot of benefits 
to those competitors to take one hour and to take class. Well, on that note, let's talk about that. So this isn't the only piece of our competitor no. performance. It's a piece. It's a piece. But I think it's a very important piece. You know, one of the things I think made, um, you know, a lot of us very successful in CrossFit for a while was the fact that we had myself, Garrett, Neil, Miranda, Molly, Pat, you name it, creating this culture where we would train together, right? It was a group environment. And, you know, I would still take classes as well, but I think what was important to understand there is that we did it together. It wasn't me coming by myself, you know, training in the gym every single day by myself alone. Because over time, it becomes exhausting on your brain. Now, it's important to train alone sometimes in my garage to learn how to get past that grit and whatever. But in general, it's more fun when you're suffering with other people. And I think I think there's there's that piece. But I think the other piece is you're making yourself no better, no worse. You're 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 not trying to put yourself on a pedestal. You're just another member, right? Yeah. I mean, I just got back taking one of your classes. I jumped in, I did it with the members. There's no difference between me who, you know, started the company and someone else who just started at the gym a month ago, right? We're all there trying to improve our fitness. And I think that's important for the competitors and for the community to see. And and I think getting the coaching, getting the warm-up is a critical piece of that. Now, now what if I'm a competitor, right? And I desire more, and maybe this 60-minute class with, you know, X amount of volume just isn't enough to get me to regionals. What do we do then? Good question. Um, so our competitor programming, not only does it have our, you know, NC60, our general physical preparedness offering that they're expected to do, um, but there's also two other parts. There's a part A, which is either going to be aerobic, anaerobic, or a lifting session. Mm-hmm. Part B, which is our NC60, and then part C, which is bias work. Based on where you need to focus your training, you choose one of three elements, whether it's a strength bias, a gymnastics bias, or conditioning bias. And I, I got to give credit to uh, you know Chris Detmering as well, who's been doing an amazing, amazing job putting together our compete programming, and also um, Brandon Bloom doing an amazing job with our NC60 programming. These guys have been killing it. Um, We're able now to not only have a really effective program that can go out to the masses, that is infinitely scalable, that anybody, no matter your fitness level, can walk into the gym, you're day one beginner, you can do an appropriate workout, you're a 10-year vet looking to go to the games, you can get a great workout. And then also every level of competitor, whether or not you just want to do really well in the open or you want to do better in your age group or you have aspirations to go to regionals or the games, we have a program that's adaptable to any level. But the core of the program, the most important thing in the program is the NC60. It's these people are taking classes. The other stuff, they have to find time to do it on their own schedule. They do it at Open Gym. We're blessed with really nice weather about nine months out of the year here. You do it outside or you do it at home, but you come in and you take class. So to summarize what MDV is talking about is that for our gym, what we found to be successful is we started implementing, you know, our compete program, which is founded on the NC60, but there's additional uh, work in the morning and then later on with bias work. So let's just say you have a gymnastics focus. Let's just say you have a weightlifting focus. You know, identify where your strengths and weaknesses are, and then you spend time in those areas. But, you know, our full-time coaches are responsible to um, run open gym hours. During open gym, we encourage people to come in and get additional work in. And if we have locations that are large enough to uh, accommodate someone doing open gym, for example, in one room and a, a you know, class in another room, that's perfectly fine. But what we, what we discourage and what we kind of set the tone from the beginning is that if there's a class going on and someone wants to get work done in the corner and they're disrupting that class, 
that's unacceptable for us, right? The class will take precedent during that particular time. Now, if they can get it done and if they're in the, you know, if they're, they're in another room or they're not disrupted, that's different. But we, we, we have set open gym hours for this group of people to be able to get in additional volume work and we encourage them to take class. That's one of the ways we've found to be successful. Now, now in in terms of pitfalls, right? The reason, you know, the reason why we started this is because we saw some people kind of starting to come in, do their own programming, do their own stuff, which was, which was fine, but they were doing it and they were trying to do it during class times and they were becoming disruptive. Yeah. They're riding the assault bike and, 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 you know, here we are trying to coach a class. And I think one of the problems we see gym owners have is that they're not okay with telling that person they need to stop. You know, and and I, I find that to be one of the challenges as a gym owner. and, And maybe for one of you that's listening, you're having this challenge as well is that you think the competitors run the gym, but they're, they're, they're some members, not the sum of the members that are competitors. And I think what you will realize is you'll be pleasantly surprised when you have a tough conversation with this person. Other people respect you for having that conversation because they recognize it. For example, you have a member who comes in, always wants to have their music on. Maybe it's whatever it may be. You're trying to run a class. They're over there doing a salt bike and dropping a bunch of weights. And you need to be okay with saying, hey, you know, John, you know, can you please take that during open gym hours? Because right now you're disrupting our class and I'm trying to provide a product over here. And if you're afraid to have that conversation, I'd recommend to have it. Yeah. And I think the members will respect you more for it. Yeah. You got to You got to have that conversation. Yeah. You have to nip it in the bud because you said, you said, do you think the competitor is running your gym? A lot of people are letting the competitors run their gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're just ignoring it. You're standing there and you're watching this person. They're dropping 225 from overhead as you're trying to intro your class. You got to shut that shit down. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Because listen, everybody in the class takes their cues from you. Every. Every coach on your staff looks at you. So if you don't do it, if you don't say something, you think some one of your coaches underneath you is going to go say something to that person or like a member? First of all, it's not their job to. It's yours because you're the owner. But second of all, this is even worse. This is even anything that we talked about so far. This is even worse. This is going to blow your oh mind. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. If you are the person who's doing it, if you are the oh, yeah, person yeah, who's yeah. dropping the barbell right. at 225 while one of your other coaches is running class, I'm going to say it, shame on you. Yep. Because that you're doing a disservice not only to your members, but also to your coach. Yeah. And coming as a guy, you know, with, you know, I've competed at the CrossFit Games eight times. I, I had to make time and I always set the tone from day one with all of our coaches. And I hope no one would ever disagree with me on this, that there's nothing that takes precedent over the business. The business, our members, they're the main focus. And if I think that my training is more important than their training, that's not right. My, you know, their training, their, you know, for example, if I'm in there and I'm doing a workout and it's non-disruptive and I see, you know, for example, if you're in the middle of a workout and a new member comes in, they want information for the gym. I mean, it's your responsibility to have someone there to service them. Or you need to stop what you're doing and go service them. You got to do it. Yep. Because it, you know, now if you want to do a workout, you don't want to be disrupted. If you're not disrupting anybody else, that's fine. But you need to make sure there's someone there to answer the phone and check in on walk-ins. But if there's no one there to check in on walk-in, you think you have five minutes left on AMRAP and you're just going to tell a person, hey, can you wait for five more minutes? That's not okay. No way, man. Right? It's, it's, it's member-focused. It's members first. And it because ultimately it's a business, yeah. right? This is a, this is a, a big one for me. Um, and I, th- 
this is going to sound harsh. And this doesn't even have to do with competitors anymore. Like th this is just generally, let's talk yeah, owners is, and coaches too. Right, yeah, yeah. Your workout doesn't matter. Let me say that again. Your workout doesn't matter. If a member comes up to you and they have a problem, if they want to talk about billing, if they want to talk about their nutrition, they want to talk about their family, they want to talk about their friends, if somebody new walks into the gym and they got to be introed, gosh, like you should stop what you're doing and you should address that person. Yeah. And you should give him the time of day in a way that doesn't make them feel like a piece of shit. Like you should, you should want to talk to them at that point. And if, you, if you're not okay with that, if you're like, my training matters so much to me that right. I have to do this, close the gym doors, right. lock the doors, turn off the lights, and do your workout, that's and right. then open it back up. That, well, that, that's a really valid point. I mean, I think, look, does your workout matter? Sure, to you it does, and, and that's fine. You want to get your fitness in just like I do. No problem. Do you want to be disrupted during your workout? No. But, but the thing about it is, is that if you choose to put yourself at your place of business, so for example, myself, right? If I choose to go in during open gym hours, class hours, and I choose now, if I'm taking a class and someone's, you know, maybe that's a little bit different, different story, but, right? You know but what we're talking I'm, about. But, but if I'm, you know, if it's open gym hours and I'm in there and I'm working out and a new member comes in and has a question or concern, look, I'm in my place of business. Yes. It's my, it's my gym as well, where I get my workout in, but ultimately it's your place of business. And you would anticipate that if you walk into any other place of business, right, that you would assume you would get serviced by the owner, Right. Now, if you have a problem during that time, during your workout time, just allocate specific times where, you know, it's off hours or, or, or perhaps you have someone else to, to, again, to, to focus on the members. But if you're the only one in the gym, you need to be ready and willing to answer any questions or concerns because otherwise that, that's a challenge for the member, right? They feel like kind of getting kind of pushed to the side. Yeah. They, I mean, they feel insignificant. Right? Insignificant. And there's ways you can mitigate that is the point we're trying to make. That's the whole point. There's right. a better way to do it. Right. And it, it can be as simple as having coverage there. Hey, listen, I'm going to work out for 20 minutes. Do you mind standing at the front desk while I get this done? Yep. I'll come over and spell you out as soon as I'm done. Perfect. Yeah. Done. You're done. Right? So, you know, I, I think... I think really where we've gone here, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's the owner sets the tone, ultimately, or the head coach, etc. And that... It needs to be really focused on uh, being inclusive, right? You never want anybody to feel polarized in your gym. And it doesn't mean you can't support competitors. We support competitors all the time. I love the fact we have people going to regionals and that they're pushing to their to their abilities. But it doesn't mean that we could, we could encourage without letting them try and take over the gym, right? And I think that's that's the big difference is you can't let competitors – just like you can't let anybody else take over the gym. You need it to be a nice, neutral location for people to come in and receive what they want, which is ultimately they want to have a good time, they want to get a great workout, and they want to get educated. And it's hard for them to probably have a good time and potentially even get educated if there's someone disrupting in the corner. Near impossible. Sometimes. Near impossible. Just like if you have a member in your class who's being dis very disruptive, right? Always shows up late, always causes problems. You would have to have a good conversation with that person. Hey, man. I'd really appreciate if you can come in on time for this, this, this. Like today, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you don't, but, but I think you have to have a good conversation, yeah. right? We might and, need to tell them what we were just laughing about. But yeah. maybe what we were just laughing about, like, I showed up to MDB's <laughs> class late today. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame it on being on the phone and, and uh, 
I'm going to blame it on just... I had a nice good. talk with him when he walked in. Yeah. <laughs> but, but ultimately, uh, you know, that's what we were talking about is that if there's a disruptive memory in your class, you would want to take the initiative to, to talk with that person. Well, the same thing applies to some competitor dropping 225 in the corner. Yeah. You just have to have a good conversation with them in, in, a, in a friendly way. I, I, what you said about the owner setting the tone is so important, not only for this conversation, not only for the problem, problematic member conversation, but every conversation that we're going to talk about. You know, it, does the owner walk by the garbage pail when it's full? Does the owner, you know, walk by the new member who just walked in without saying hello? Does the owner leave the gym looking like a piece of crap at night? Like, everybody is going to take their cues from you. They're always watching you. You need to always be upping your game all the time. Um, but uh, more on the competitor side of things, there's one thing that I, I don't think we touched on just yet, but I think it's important because I don't think a lot of people know how to handle it. When now you have those competitors in your class and you're the coach and let's say you got a class, 15 people, you're the only coach, you got some beginners in the class, you got some, most of the people are in between, you got some competitors. Your job as the coach now is you have to figure out how you're going to add value at every single level of skill for that hour because you're you have to give the competitors just as good of a product as you give the beginners. And a lot of it with competitors, what I found is that you have to set the expectation that, you know, hey, we're going to be drilling skills today. You know, we're going to be going through a progression on the push jerk. This is an opportunity for you to, to work, refine your, movement. To refine your yep. movement. And if they say that they're too good for refining movement, that's a whole nother freaking issue. But they should be fired up to practice the movement. But then on the other side of it is that you also now have to look at the workout or look at the skill, look at the strength, and you have to figure out what kernels of knowledge am I going to give to this competitor to help them along their journey. And whether it's barbell cycling, hey, whether we're going to bias this workout a little bit specifically for you, you know, whether or not your challenge today on the barbell is to go unbroken, uh, give them time, time limits to look at for different you know, uh, segments of the workout, all good stuff to be giving them. But you can't have them just looking at their watch waiting for the class to be over because you're not figuring out how to add value to it. That's a very valid point. I mean, it goes for anybody, but I think you have beginners, you have intermediate, you have advanced, et cetera. And your job as a coach is to give each one what they're looking for. In the beginner focus, you know, you're really teaching the fundamentals. Hey, I need you to have a neutral spine, this and that. But in the competitor focus, you might start talking about, hey, I want you to pull down the kettlebell. I want you to, um, you know, load the position a little bit differently. I want you to try and utilize the hook grip in a way you haven't used it before. Hey, on the push, when we're going over today, I really want to focus on, uh, you know, cycling it faster, trying a wider grip to shorten the range of motion so it's faster. There's so much stuff. But it's your job as a coach to develop these kernels like you're talking about because ultimately what I think makes a competitor a competitor what really gets them the best workout is when they have these goals they're shooting for and it's just pushing them to their limit whatever that limit may be for that day mm -hmm. and I think by giving these individual goals hey man I need you to hit this in two minute time domain now all of a sudden they're not going to leave there feeling like they just kind of floated through the workout but they're going to leave there feeling like you gave them a goal and they went out there and accomplished that goal I think that's a huge Huge, huge, huge point to make. Yeah. And to feel confident about it. Like as a coach, even if you have a competitor who might have gone to regionals and maybe you haven't, that's okay. It doesn't mean you can't add value to that person. Yeah. A really simple way of doing it too, because I know that's intimidating. Like a lot of young coaches out there have trouble sometimes communicating with games or regional competitors who are in class. And that, that that's natural. You show them a little deference. Just ask them. Be like, hey, Jason what are you working on right now? And, you know, I know I've seen that you qualified for the regionals. 
you know, what are, what are you doing right now to get yourself ready? Like, how does this workout stack up for you? Is there anything in sp specifically in this workout you're focusing on? And create the conversation with that member. Right. And all now all of a sudden, they're more bought in. They know that you are thinking about them. And they're probably going to come up with the thing that they need to do on their own now. And it's like less pressure on you. Yeah. So that's a good little trick there. Um, you know, I, I did want to touch on like one more thing. So sure. we're getting closer. Yeah, this yeah. is a good conversation. Yeah, three good vibes. Because competitors can add really good vibes to your gym. Yeah. They're in they're more often than not pretty influential people within your gym because that's right. They're good, they're good performers. They're probably, you know, physically, they're, you know, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. They look and, really and, good. And they might even be a lot of your coaches, I imagine. Right? Yeah. Yep. yep. So when when things are going right within the competitive atmosphere in your gym. It can be amazing. It's so awesome to have people in your class who are fist bumping the members as they're coming in, who are adding value. If you're the coach and you're looking at them, you're like, man, that was a pleasure to have you in class today. Right. The good side of this is so good, you'll find that your business is going to be even better right. because of it. Right. The bad side is bad. The bad side is bad. The bad side is bad when the head coach is constantly putting up stuff on social media, utilizing the gym's channel of just them doing stuff that's intense right yeah. for example um whereas the good stuff could be you know that person coaching a class and maybe delivering a really great product and highlighting that in particular and i think to your point it's all about the vibes there's a way that you could take competitors and really elevate it and there's also a way that it could take over your gym our recommendation is don't let it take over your gym yeah it, nothing should take over your gym except for positive atmosphere right quality coaching and great effective workouts for everybody not just for one person yep and the reason why like this isn't just theoretical like this is all proven yeah, exactly it's proved yeah it's proven first of all we do it and yep. then second of all look at the top competitors in the world these guys are humble people they are not people who are being disruptive they're not you know in class like causing a ruckus like right. we know all these people they're doing it the right way so Yes, there is a way to do this. There is a way to make it valuable. There is even a way to get to the top, the very, very top. You know the guys and the girls that we're talking about and still add value. That's right. Set the tone early. Set the tone often. And make sure they know that you want to support them, but that doesn't mean that they should be disruptive to what else is going on. Yeah. And I think ultimately, we have one more minute. I'd like to just summarize and I'll let you summarize. I think the way that we summarize it is, hey, we, we, we introduced today what we do at NC. Right? What do we do? We have our 60 minute, we have our morning, we have our afternoon, evening session, et cetera. Chris been doing a great job. Brandon's been doing a great job with Killing that. It. That's how we've been able to do it, right? It's not the only way, it's a way. We incorporate open gym as a great avenue to provide people direction on when they could come in, right? So we're, we're tailoring it. And we set the expectation early that these are the times that we could be doing it and that during class times, they're for classes. Yep. And if you set it early, if you set the vibes right, it's going to be a great way to encourage the competitors, support them, but not let them run everything that's going on. Great. Completely. These guys should be in classes. They should be model members when they're in class. They should have fun with class. Get their other stuff done in times that doesn't disrupt. You know, make sure that you have the tough conversations when needed. If you're the coach, if you're the owner, if you're, if you're one of those people who's currently doing that stuff, that bad stuff, you got to take a hard look at what's the priority and take a hard look at, you know, Hey, how humble am I being? Is this really impacting people in the right way? And then when it's good, man, let it be so good. Like just enjoy those times, promote those people, you know, sing their praises. And, you know, I think that, I think that you'll, you'll find that there's a better way to, to have these people in your gym. Well, guys, competitors in your gym, 
could be phenomenal, could also be very challenging as a business owner. If you're a business owner out there and you're having competitors that are, that are challenging, take a hard step back, have a nice meeting. There's a right way to go about it, but you got to make sure you have those tough conversations early. Have them often. Hope you guys all have a great day. Thank you, MDV. Had a great time. Keep crushing it, guys.